It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Do you believe that the Lord is in our presence? Listen, y'all, when you're in the presence of royalty, there's a way you respond. Whether you all remember this or not, I don't know if you do, but uh, President Obama's wife, Michelle, was uh, in the UK uh, visiting with the Queen. Um, and, uh, you know, as customary, she was honoring her. But then for just one moment, she just touched the Queen, like on the back. You do not touch the Queen. It made international headlines that uh, Mrs. Obama is uncouth and unlearned because she touched the queen. Uh, listen, you all, if they are making that much headline over somebody just touching the back of a human being to get up and put their clothes on the same way we do. The question is, when you're in the presence of the king of kings, now listen, and the Lord of lords, what is your response? And when it says, open up your heart, because he's already here. That means that everything that comes with him is already here. Stop looking, stop searching, stop seeking for things you already have. So just take a moment and in his presence, give him your heart, open it up and receive from him. Is it healing? Is it peace? Is it deliverance? Is it wisdom? Is it strength? Is it comfort? What is the thing that you need the most? Well, he's already here. And in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy and blessing at his right hand. Father, we thank you for your presence and we thank you for those who are here and many that are watching online and we thank you Lord God that in your presence there is peace in your presence there is wisdom in your presence there's healing and deliverance God everything that we could dream that we need all of it is in your presence so Holy Spirit would you continue to do what you do lead us guide us instruct us help us conform to the image of Christ that our lives would look more like Jesus to a world that seems to be increasingly becoming more and more distant from you. And God will be so careful in this season of remembering your birth to give you thanks that you were born in us. And we pray that you'll be born in others. In the name that's above all others, in Jesus' name, all that agree with it said amen. And amen. Come on, give the Lord praise again. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Turn around and tell about two or three people. It's good to see you. Tell them. 
Look at them. Say, it's good to see you. For those that are watching online, it's good to see you. I know we can't physically see you, but won't you just type in the chat, good to be here, good to be here. So grateful for all of you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, you all, just want to share a couple of announcements with you. Uh, again, I ask that you will continue to lift up Linda uh, Orangeby Hendricks in your prayers as she has uh, funeralized her father who uh, passed away and we had the services this past week. Linda has been an integral part of our church. She has been with us as an employee, really probably the longest uh, that we've had of anyone. And so you all continue to lift her up in your prayers and not only her, but all those who have lost loved ones. This is a real difficult season for people coming up on the holidays in particular. So if you're grieving, if you have lost someone, we are praying for you as well. Also, many of you are aware of this partnership that Citadel has been having with a church in New Jersey, St. Luke Episcopal Church. We've had it for almost now going on four plus years. And we're excited to announce that during Dr. King's birthday in January, uh, both of our churches are going to be going to Washington, D.C. together uh, to, to spend some time in fellowship, but also to visit the African-American Smithsonian Museum. Uh, many of you may have not had the opportunity to ever visit that museum. I've not had a chance, but they said it's really the most incredible museums in the world, uh, uh, kind of focusing on African-American history. Uh, not only that, you all, we're going to be visiting other locations, but spending some time with politicians and pastors and discussing the differences that all of us kind of sometimes have around how we see race, how we see racism, etc. And so if you'd like to join us, we're going to be there that Friday through Monday. It's a federal holiday. Uh, and if any of you all are interested in that, please uh, make sure that you jump on the website. There'll be more information on our website, faithcitadel.org. Uh, they'll tell you more information and detail about that. So again, Dr. King's birthday in January. We pray that you all would be mindful of that. As we get ready to turn our hearts to the Word of God, this year has been a critical year in a lot of ways. Um, because we began the year talking about the importance of the Scripture and the Word of God. Um, and I, I assumed, and I don't want to make this assumption, that if you are a Christ follower, if you are a member particularly of this church, that you have a, a fond and high appreciation of Scripture, a high value of the Word of God. That is not something that we should assume. Because there are many Christians who love Jesus, who are proud to be called Christian, uh, but they do not believe that the Word of God in its form, in its state, can be trusted, uh, can be followed. So we spent a lot of time talking about the origin of the Bible. How did the Bible uh, come about? How was it written? And, and then we talked about the differences between uh, the, uh, the Bible that we use every day, and then we have uh, Catholic Bibles that have a thing called the Apocrypha. Then we have uh, Jewish Bibles that also have other uh, books in it that we do not use in our canon of Scripture. We talked about how we chose and landed on the 66 books of the Bible. But then we talked about whether or not certain things can be trusted uh, that the Bible doesn't address or that the Bible does address. Uh, believe it or not, the Bible does not speak out directly against slavery. And that's why many times uh, we found that many slaveholders were using the scriptures as a reason to justify uh, slavery because there's no direct word from the Lord saying you cannot have slaves or should not have slaves, etc. Right? Uh, we talked about misogyny uh, and how uh, in a patriarchal world, patriarchal world, 
the father was viewed in a very high uh, place. Women uh, in the time that the scriptures were written were not given uh, the type of respect and honor that they're given today. And so many women feel as though the Bible is not for me because the Bible is against women. Uh, many people of color say the Bible is not for me because the Bible is, uh, uh, you know, kind of pro-slavery or kind of neutral on the subject. Bottom line, we went through every single kind of issue and we lined it up against the word of God and said, this is what the scriptures teach and what they say. I'm saying this, you all, because as we now come up on Christmas, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, this season is a season of remembering the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, But not just his birth only, but why he was born and the purpose for which he was born. Uh, We had an opportunity uh, a few days ago to go to Northridge Church, a great partner church of ours, and this is the last year that they're doing a production called The Glory of Christmas, Uh, and it's an amazing production, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's unbelievable. It's like Broadway. But, But the thing that's different about this Christmas production is that not only does it chronicle the birth of Christ in a very vivid and beautiful way, but it then takes us through the life of Jesus, it takes us through his crucifixion, and it takes us through his resurrection. Very few Christmas stories talk about Jesus growing up, talk about his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Because many people are confident and comfortable and happy with baby Jesus. Because baby Jesus means I don't have to call him Lord. Baby Jesus means I don't have to submit to his authority. Baby Jesus doesn't mean that I have to really understand the reason for which he came. And so last week we talked about Advent and the first coming of Christ. And when Jesus came to the earth, you all, it was very clear what his purpose was. He came to seek and save the lost. Amen. The purpose that Jesus came, the reason that he was born, the reason that he entered into the world was that those of us who deserved death, those of us because of our sinful nature who are separated from God, we needed a sacrifice that would accomplish and pay for the sin debt, and the only blood that had the ability to pay for our sin debt was sinless blood, which was the blood of Christ. And because of his shed blood for us, you and I were able to do a great exchange. He took our death. He took our condemnation, right? He took, he took the penalty that we deserve upon himself. And then he turned around and gave us what we did not deserve. He gave us righteousness and he gave us eternal life. Are you following this? And so that is why he came. And so uh, John's gospel says clearly, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came to the world that the world might be saved. Well, you all, this is the Jesus, this Savior, this Lord that most of us are most familiar with. This is the Jesus that most of us are most comfortable with. The fact that Jesus came into the world to be the Savior. But what we don't realize is that with the advent of his first coming, he came as Savior. Advent is supposed to be a season for the Christian church where we're not only remembering his first coming, but we're anticipating his second coming. Let me say it again. The season of Advent, which is waiting with expectancy for the the coming of Christ, was a time that we remember the countless generations of people who were waiting for a Savior, who were waiting for a Messiah, and they were waiting on his first coming. Now, those of us that are here now, we're not waiting on his first coming, but now we should be anticipating and with the same energy and with the same expectancy, waiting for his second coming. 
Now, if we don't understand his second coming, or understand its significance, most of us will only be content with or knowledgeable about his first coming. Let me say it again. If we're not aware of his second coming, most of us will only be content with or aware of his first coming. Let me read to you all a, a, a song that you've heard before. Um, and uh, here it is. Uh, uh, joy to the world, uh, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns that all their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, that earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and, and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Uh, let, let no more thorns and thistles fill the earth. Listen, you all, there's a part of the hymn, Joy to the World, that talks about his coming to the world to end the curse of sin on the world. Jesus did not only come to the world to save us and save our souls, but he will come back to rule and to reign and to make the earth once again be what God intended it to be in the beginning. Listen, you all, God is going to eradicate every presence of sin that is evident and present in any facet of this earth realm. And so the second coming of Christ is not him coming as savior, but coming as judge. I want to talk about this, and young people especially, hear me. Because we have enjoyed, in our master Tupac and others, can't nobody judge me but God. How many of y'all heard that before? In other words, get, your, get, get, your, get my life out your mouth. Get my life out of your mouth because you can't judge me. As a matter of fact, can't nobody judge me but God. And watch this now. And my view of God through Christ is only a savior that comes to save me and never to judge me. So if my God that I have created is a God that is only filled with limitless compassion, limitless lo unlimited love, and he's never going to judge, and he's never going to condemn, and he's never going to do anything bad against me, then therefore I can serve that Christ because that Christ that I serve will always please me. Are you hearing me? We have created a Christ in our own image. And during this Christmas season, with all of the joys that we share with family and friends and buying stuff, even those of us that are Christians don't understand that not only did he come as Savior, but he also is getting ready to come again as judge. And if you are not a Christ follower and you've not accepted him as Savior and Lord, guess what? He is not coming as the one that's going to save you, but he's going to come as the one that will judge you. Now, you all, this is critical. Because Advent should be a time that many of us should be waiting for his coming again. But you can only wait on his coming again when you're pleased with his coming again. Revelation chapter 16. Mm. Revelation chapter 16, you all, tells us about... Well, you know, how many of y'all remember when we went through the book of Revelation here? We, we, we actually went through verse by verse the book of Revelation. And let me just say this. 
It's sad to know that the only book of the Bible that comes with the promise is that book. That everybody who reads it is blessed and everybody that speaks about it is blessed. How many times have you heard churches teach on Revelation? How many times have you read it? It's the only book that says when you read it, you're blessed. And when you speak about it, you're blessed. It is the easiest book of the Bible I've ever taught. You know why? Because it's not a, a revelation of the Antichrist. It's not a revelation about all the, the times and all that stuff. It's a revelation about his coming again. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And here it is. Jesus now is given by God the scroll. And in this scroll that God hands to Jesus, he gives him the authority to unseal seven seals. And as he, now this is when he comes, this is before he comes back to reign, now he's in heaven. He, he breaks these seals and with these seals come judgments. Bowls of judgment and trumpets of judgment to the point you all that every single seal that is broken reveals a new judgment of God against a world that is far from him. Now you all know this is Christmas. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor, come on now. We got Christmas lights. Why are you talking about judgment? You all because we need to know Jesus in the fullness of who he is so we can appreciate the gift that he is to us. Amen. Listen, y'all, I am not going to get sucked into the culture of this world that is only talking about what's good for you and what's happy for you and your I want you to know the fullness of Christ so we can worship him fully. Amen. And so you all, uh, as he is now breaking these seals and this judgment is going out, I want you to notice something. Watch what it says here in uh in Revelation 16, verses 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. <clears throat> then there came flashings of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No, listen now, no earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. Let me just look up this way. Either God is a liar, or the cities of the nations collapsed at this earthquake. God remembered Babylon the Great. Now, Babylon the Great is now this new global economy that also became a global religion that God has now dealt with. <laughs> uh, God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island flew away and the mountains could not be found. Uh, you know what? This is, this is the part that really uh, uh, scares me a little bit because uh, when I look at what happened, you all, and how God literally allowed uh, this judgment to happen, I want you to see how the people responded. Um, ah, shall I read that part? Yeah. No, actually, yeah. Every island fled away from, and the mountains could not be found. Listen, y'all, every island that exists today fled away, and every mountain that you currently know could not be found. From the, watch this now, from the sky, let me look at this way. You would have never thought a few years ago the whole world would have shut down because of a pandemic. 
You know what? God is preparing the world for more global events and there will be more pandemic-like events so that when these global things happen, people will dismiss them as something other than what it is. Are you following what I'm saying to you? This ain't judgment. It's just a pandemic. It's just some kind of a, it's global warming. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fell on people. Did you just hear what that? Baby Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful child. Jesus, Jesus, so holy, meek and mild, allowed hailstones, 100 pounds, to fall on people. Watch what the response is. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hell because the plague was so terrible. Watch this now. God's getting ready to destroy the world. Why? Because he knows like in the days of Noah, the hearts of men are wicked and will not ever repent. When God shows them his wrath, instead of humbling themselves and repenting, what will they do? Curse God. So what will God do? Now I'm going to destroy it all. Have you ever wondered why God killed everybody in the flood? Because the Bible said all that mankind thought was to do evil continually. And so what is going to happen again? What is God allowing to happen? The hearts of people now waxing cold, waxing against the scripture, waxing against God, so that when the judgments of God come, as opposed to repenting and saying, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner, and I should know better. Lord, please, please show your mercy. Instead of doing that, they will curse the very God that they're experiencing the condemnation and the judgment from. Now, you all, you say, well, Pastor, what is the significance of this? Because we're talking about the second coming of Christ. What, what, what will that be like, Pastor? What, what, what kind of God will he be? What, what kind of, um, I'm glad you asked, several scriptures, y'all. Are y'all ready to walk with me through some scriptures today? Hallelujah. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 32. And, and if you got notes, just maybe take a note of these, because I'm kind of going to rapid fire through these. And these will also be on the website, so you'll be able to look back and review this for Bible study if you choose, all right? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4. Let's talk about the nature of God. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are what? Just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Listen, y'all, no justice. All right. We love doing that for stuff we need. I need justice. No justice, no peace. Well, guess what God is saying when he looks at sin? No justice, no peace. God is saying, you know what? I come back to be the just God. And when I find unrighteousness, and when I find those who have turned away from me, I am going to bring about justice. God is a God of compassion, a God of grace, a God of love, but he also at the same time is a God of justice. And we cannot make the two separate. Amen? Now, y'all, this is critical because if your view of Christ and your view of God is only a God that is always accommodating and always nice and always doing these things that will make you say, oh, this feels great, then you've not really fully understood the totality of who God is. God is both loving and compassionate, but he's also just. His very nature is that of a just God, all right? Look at this next text, uh, Proverbs chapter 31. 
No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, hold on. I just got through preaching a funeral, and that just came up out of the, out of the blue. Uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 15 through 18. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about this God speaking to his people. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So the Lord tells us that even as he uh, ex ex executes judgment, he tells us how to do the same. He says, you know what? When it's time to be just, you can't show favoritism. You can't decide to not allow justice to happen just because you care about that person or you have some empathy about them. You got to still be just. Now, this is important because to satisfy the justice of God, it doesn't mean that he's not loving when he executes judgment. Hear this. A God that is truly God cannot ignore justice. I want a God that will ignore justice. Well, then that's not God. God cannot allow sin to reign in any way and this earth is his and the devil hijacked it because we gave him control of it but god says guess what i'm taking back what belongs to me and even though this earth is falling under all kind of demonic stuff i'm going to once again make a new heaven and a new earth and new people to live on that planet because i'm gonna remind the devil who's really in charge you better hear me now i'm so grateful that jesus reminds us he is in charge the devil is not running this. I know you might think that he's running it, but he ain't running it for long. As a matter of fact, the clock is ticking. That's why he's acting so crazy right now, because he knows his time is about to be up when the true king and the true Lord shows up and comes back with power. Listen, we want to know Jesus as the lamb, but we don't want to know him as the lion. He is the lion and the lamb. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know that he is both of those things? It's critical that we realize that God is calling us to have a comprehensive understanding about the birth of Christ. There was not just Jesus being born in a manger to stay that way for eternity. He grew up. He became a man. And he died a horrific death so that you and I would have what we could not have without him. But he's going to come back again. And when he comes back, you all, he's coming back to set stuff right. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I've got anticipation. I've got, there's some advent in my heart about his coming again. And I pray that you all will be prepared for that coming. Acts chapter 17. I'm not going to be before you long. Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Let me just say this. <laughs> begging you repent if you're listening right now what does repent mean it means the direction that you're heading just to stop acknowledge that I'm going in the wrong way and turn in the other direction 
Acknowledge your brokenness. Acknowledge your sin nature. Acknowledge the fact that maybe the enemy has more control of you than God does. And you're doing things that don't honor him. You're speaking things that don't speak well of him. You're living a way that is not honoring to him. Sin has taken over even as a Christian. Well, how can a Christian be sinful? Because we call them carnal Christians. That means I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but everything about my life is carnal. Maybe that means today you need to repent. There was a time that we used to call for repentance. There was a time we used to have altar calls. Some of y'all don't even know nothing about that. There's a time we had a thing called the mourner's bench. Y'all don't know nothing about that because the day folk would put beach up in your face, but try to put them on a, on a special place because of sin. But back in the day, somebody came into church and they were a known sinner. You didn't just come and just proudly walk into the honey. You sitting on the mourner's bench. You have some old mothers of the church get, uh, get some towels and stuff, and they start praying in the Holy Ghost and, and putting oil on you. You didn't even know what was going on until you all of a sudden you're sitting there as a visitor and your whole face is smeared up looking like ancient Mima with, with oil on your face. Now, I know y'all are laughing, but believe it or not, that was a reminder of people to repent, to not just walk up in God's presence knowing that I'm a sinner, knowing I don't do what I should and not caring. Repent, because God has given some of you, some of us, a chance to do it. There's some that wish they had the chance that you now possess. Repent. And what does it mean? Are you going to be perfect? No. I'm just changing directions. I know I'm going the wrong way. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm turning, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to start another way. It doesn't mean I'm going far. I'm just I'm going another direction. That means Friendships. That means stuff in the house that you have that doesn't honor God. Nobody needs to tell you what to do. You know what you have that doesn't honor God. If you've repented, there's tangible evidence of things you're doing that point to that repentance. He says there was a time that God overlooked those things, but now he's calling for people everywhere to repent for he has set a day, watch this now, when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Here it is in the book of Acts. The book of Acts tells us that God himself has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. By the man he's appointed, and the man he's appointed is the one that he raised from the dead. That would be Christ. You are Jesus, the second coming, the advent that we anticipate again. is <laughs> him coming to judge this world. I just want to just share one last scripture. Um, and it's found in Revelation again, Revelation chapter 18. Verses 9 through 13, it says, When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury, this is talking about the great horror of Babylon, this global economy. First of all, he deals with, in the previous chapter of Revelation, the world religion. There will be one world religion, and the Antichrist will set himself up as the head of the world religion. How could that be, Pastor? Because uneducated, unbiblical people will be easily persuaded to follow somebody that makes sense to, in my truth, in their brain. 
He says, the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning because God's going to destroy it. They will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment. <laughs> listen, the rich people, they're not even, listen, they're not even tripped out at the judgment of God. All they're upset about is what that meant for their money. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, woe, woe to you, great city. You mighty city of Babylon, in one hour your doom has come. You know what's so deep about God when he comes back? It ain't going to take him long to deal with this. In one hour, he's going to upset the whole global economy. <laughs> it says the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet cloth, every sort of wood and articles of every kind of ivory and costly wood and bronze, iron and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice of incense and myrrh and wine and olive oil and flour. He said, uh, and human beings sold as slaves. They cry, woe, great city, dressed in fine linen, glittering with gold. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain, verse 17, and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand afar off because their whole career is over. So while the world, I'm done, while the world is grieving over the judgments of God, while the rich who have been exploiting people globally for their own end are now crying and weeping that their money supply is over. When the religious system that had a fake and false God worshiping the Antichrist as God has now got to deal with the fact that they have no center anymore. While the world is dealing with the judgment and the justice of Christ and God, look what it says in verse 20. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. Listen, God says, I came to deal with them because of what they have done to my people. I am coming to deal with injustice on behalf of the people whom I love. God is coming back, you all. And when Jesus comes back again, he is coming back as king and Lord and justice is going to be exacted on this earth. And he's going to make all things that are wrong right. So as we prepare for Christmas, don't just think about the baby in the manger because he's already come. And we always every year have a little manger set out. And it's beautiful. We got to remember that. It's important to remember his birth because had it not been for him, we wouldn't be here. We get it. But not just that. The Advent season is that of anticipation. And just as the people in the past waited for his birth and his birth came, those of us that know he's already born, we should now with all the more expectations say, Lord, come quickly. I anticipate and I'm ready for your coming. Here's the question. Are you ready if he comes right now? The Bible says he'll come like a thief in the night. He won't come when you think he'll come. As a matter of fact, everybody will decide when they think he's going to come. He's going to come another time other than that. And you 
you all, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, it doesn't mean you're perfect, it doesn't mean you never sin, but it does mean that you're covered by the blood. If you have accepted Jesus Christ and you are covered by the blood, guess what? You know what the blood does, right? In the Old Testament, when the death angel came into Egypt, God says, this is what I need. I need you to find a, a lamb and I need you to get the blood from the lamb and apply it on the doorpost. And when the death angel sees the blood on the doorpost, it will pass over every house that is covered by the blood. Well, can I tell you something? If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have had the blood of the lamb poured to the applied to the doorpost of your life. And when judgment and when justice and when wrath and when everything that God brings against the world comes to the world, it will pass over you because God will see the blood. Come on now. Is there anybody grateful that you covered and washed in the blood? But not only you, I thank God that I can also say, God, I can't save my kids. But guess what? Because my kids are connected to me. Because people in my household are connected to me. The Bible says, just like the oil runs down from Aaron's beard, it runs down from me to my kids and to my grandkids. You all better give God praise that the blood that's on the doorpost of your life is also going to be on the doorpost of your son and on the doorpost of your daughter and the doorpost of your grandson and the doorpost of your granddaughter and the doorpost of your great-greats and your great-great-greats because God will bless those who bless him hallelujah. hallelujah so while the world is angry the children of God are rejoicing as a matter of fact and I'm done the only time in the New Testament that the word hallelujah is mentioned is in the book of Revelation and it's mentioned in direct correlation to what happens to the judgment of the people and God protecting them from the judgment the only time hallelujah is mentioned is in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. And it is mentioned around the fact that when the world gets judged, <laughs> he protects us. Come on now. And praise the Lord. That's what it means. Glory to God. That while the world has experienced the judgment, we are experiencing the grace. While the world is experiencing the wrath, we are experiencing the favor. And let me just say this, you all. While I'm still alive, I'm thankful that on this side, I can still experience the favor. While the world is experiencing death, and the world is experiencing sickness, and the world is experiencing murder, I I thank God that I can experience the favor of God. Merry Christmas, everybody. Because that's what it's all about. It ain't about just the baby born in the manger. But it's, a, it's the man who raised up and who's coming back again to protect you and yours. Can we give God praise? Come on, somebody. Can we give him worship? Is there anybody grateful that he is lion and lamb? Come on now. He's not only the Lamb of God, but he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you and we give you glory because there's none like you. And during this holy season, God, we are so thankful that you were born. Because you were born, we're able to now, God, have life. If you had not been born and born the way you were born, we would not have a lamb's blood to apply to the doorposts of our lives. Jesus, thank you for your first coming. 
But just as for centuries, your people waited with anticipation for a Messiah. People waited with anticipation for a Savior. We now, God, on this other side of your birth in Bethlehem, we wait for your coming again. In the same way that you left us, the angel said, don't, don't worry. The same way that he has been received up, he will come back again. And Jesus, when you return, you will come back as righteous judge. We don't know when that day will be. We don't know when that hour will be. But God, we want to be ready. And his head's about and eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening now and you say, Pastor, you know, I can't remember a time that I've really asked Jesus to take over my life. I just don't remember doing that. You know what? Don't make it complicated. All he wants you to do is to simply say, Jesus, I need you. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org. That simply spells C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith dot org. All one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together one person at a time. <laughs>